thought as they were singing that song uh, about the victory, and uh, I thought Brother Ethan's preached this week about the spiritual warfare, and he just said a while ago, talking about the battle, and is there not a cause? And um, I told you this morning I was weak, and that's not changed. I'm probably weaker tonight than I was this morning. Um, but I want to be found on the battlefield. Whatever that means tonight, he said, finish strong. But I, I thought there were a lot of, there were, there were more than just, you had the twelve apostles, but then there were a lot of disciples. And I find there in one place that some of his sayings got hard. And it said, from that time forth, many went back. And they didn't walk anymore with him. And he looked at those twelve and he said, what about you? Will you also go away? I believe that broke our Savior's heart. When his disciples just left him. And he said, what about you? Will you go away? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? I realize tonight there's nowhere else to go. There's no other man that can help us tonight. Save that man. And I want to try to lift him up. And I'm weak and I might not go long, but that's alright. I, I want to do my part. I'm going to read some in, in Psalms chapter 11 and then over in Hebrews chapter 5. And you pray for me um, and lift me up. And uh, we'll get through this, but... Uh, but I am awfully, awfully low and weak tonight, and I desperately, desperately desire you to move heaven for me, and uh, and we'll we'll try the Lord one more time. <clears throat> Psalm chapter eleven says, "In the Lord put I my trust." How say you to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain, for lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord in His holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked... And him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. Um, now over to Hebrews chapter number 5. And you might think, what do these things have to go together? I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, but it says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, 
today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. I began to have a, um, a strange thought last night, and, and unless you're a preacher or married to a preacher, maybe you don't understand, but, but sometimes these thoughts just, just come to us in and, and such a strange way. And for whatever reason, I thought, uh, I thought about how that when I was a boy, and, and I don't know how it is now, it's been a long time since I've been in the school system, but, but I thought back to when I was a boy, and I don't know why I thought of it, but I thought about going to lunch, and, and, and uh, when mom would make us lunches to take to school, and, and uh, my friends would have theirs that their mom made them, and we'd always want to compare. We'd always want to see what the other one had. And I don't know if you still take your lunch to school anymore. I really don't have any idea. But back then, that's what we did. And, uh, and we'd always want to compare uh, and, and, and try to do some swapping and trading. And, and because it always looked better what they had than it was what you had. You got tired of eating the same thing, but for some reason, his bologna sandwich looked better than mine or whatever. And, and so we'd always want to trade. And I thought about this in the context of of, uh, of a cup. And I read there in the Psalms and I read in Hebrews and, uh, and I want you to know tonight that we've all got a cup to drink. And that cup is placed before us. And, and I, I read unto you in Hebrews there that, uh, that, that Jesus Christ was made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We don't know much about Melchizedek. He was a man of God in the Old Testament. Uh, about the time of Abraham. And, and the Bible says as far as man knows, he has no beginning of days nor end of days. He just showed up on the scene and nobody really knows where it is that he came from or, or who his mother and father were. He was without descent, it says. that, But he was a high priest and he was also the king of Jerusalem. And at that time it was Salem. And he was king of Salem and he was also a priest. And he was such a man of God that even Abraham, the great patriarch, coming back from a battle one time, uh, gave tent of his foes unto Melchizedek. And, and Melchizedek blessed Abraham. And the Bible says without contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Uh, so in other words, Melchizedek was... Uh, was a man of God that was even up above Abraham, who is the father of faith. And uh, make no mistake about it tonight, if you have faith, uh, then you are a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I understand tonight that Jews as a whole don't believe in Jesus Christ as a Messiah, uh, but I believe that one Lord, one faith, and one baptism uh, isn't just a New Testament doctrine. I believe it goes all the way back to the beginning. And He showed them there was one Lord and one faith and, and later one baptism. But this Melchizedek, he, he was a priest and a king. That was, a, that was an odd thing. You had kings and you had priests, but this man was both. 
And Jesus Christ came on the scene as both a king and a priest among men. And, and it said He didn't take that honor unto Himself, but the one that called Him, the one that said, Thou art my Son, today have I begotten Thee. He made Him a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ was, was alive long before He took on human flesh. The Bible declares that in the days of old, even from everlasting, Thou art there. And the Bible declares there was not anything made that was made without His hand in it. That He made everything that you see and that you feel, that you hear, be it thrown through principalities or dominions. And I would say to us tonight, I know things look bleak in our country. I know the situation in the world looks bleak. I know all about the struggles in Ukraine. I know all about the struggles here in our homeland. But I still believe in the one uh, that's able to set up the thrones and principalities and dominions. And, and, um, and you might say, then why is all of this evil happening? It's happening because of what I read to you in Psalms, that the foundation has been destroyed. And then the righteous look around and, and we don't know what to do. And, and I'll say tonight, our foundation in America has begun to ebb away. It's almost like the waters have came over such a long period of time and it's eroded the fabric. I'll tell you what it's done. It's made families into broken homes. It's, it's made children orphans. That's what it's done. And the foundation of the family is the bedrock and the foundation of the Lord's church. And you take that foundation away and the Lord's church will surely struggle. And those children are surely going to struggle. But I thought about how that we've got a cup to drink. And I read to you there in the Psalms that, uh, that He said the portion of the wicked, uh, their cup uh, that they will have to drink one day that uh, will be fire and brimstone uh, falling down from the sky. And you want to know, preacher, if you feel so bad, why didn't you let Ethan preach? I, I thought about that, but I thought about how when the Lord called me to preach, I told him I, I don't want anybody to die lost because I didn't stand when you said to stand. And so that's all I want to do tonight is try to feel our way through this. But I want you to understand tonight the cup that awaits you as a lost, hell-bound sinner is a cup that you're not going to want to drink. There's been a lot of cups in my life I didn't want to drink. There's been a lot of bitter things that's happened to me and I, I had to drink them until the bitter end and I, it's made me who I am tonight and, and I'm not complaining about my lot not one bit uh, but there are cups that you're going to have to drink and they're not going to be fun to drink uh, it's not going to be joyful to always drink that cup you say preacher what in the world are you talking about I read to you in Hebrews there, uh, that our great high priest, uh, uh, the Bible said uh, that, that to be a high priest in the ancient uh, days of Israel, uh, that you had, to be, uh, you had to be approved by God and you had to be approved by men. It was the priesthood of Aaron had that passed down from generation to generation. But the bad thing is, according to the Bible, that 
that by reason of their death, uh, they could not continue on. In other words, the priesthood was always changing. Uh, much like the pastors in a church, you get used to one pastor. Uh, uh, and Brother Ricky was here for a long time and, and you got used to him. And when he left, I, I know the, how that is. I know the whole there. And you, and you think, well, I've leaned on this man of God for all these years. He knows about me and my struggles. He knows about my family. It was the same way back in those days at the high priest. I would die and they would think we're going to have to start all over with a new priest and I don't know if I can trust him. I don't know if I can lean into him yet. And they sort of had to feel him out and make sure he was on their side. I got news for you tonight that Jesus Christ is on your side. He's the great high priest and he was approved of God and he was approved of men. In other words, he could set one foot in glory and one foot on earth. Job said it like this. He said, How I wish there was a daysman. Uh, that word means like an umpire. A daysman, he said, uh, that could touch heaven and touch earth. Uh, Job didn't live in the day that you and I live. Uh, today we have a daysman. Uh, today we have a mediator. Uh, today we have a high priest uh, that can absolutely be touched with your infirmities. Right. Now you listen to what I'm about to tell you tonight. It's of the utmost importance. A lot of people think, well, Jesus was God, and so He is. But I want you to understand His manhood. Don't you dare try to take His divinity from Him because He's God. But to lose sight of His manhood, you lose sight of the brotherhood, you lose sight of the great high priest, you lose sight of the one taken from among men, ordained of men, and of God to stand as the representative. I want you to know tonight, He disrobed Himself of all of His glory. He didn't have to do that. He'd have still been every much God as He is tonight if He had chosen to let us all die lost. And in sin, he'd have still been God. And I would say even more than that, he would have been justified in making us so. Absolutely be justified in it. But the Bible says, for God so loved the world. I've not ever been able to wrap my head around that. Or my heart around that. I preached uh, at Ethan's church, I guess, in revival two years ago about how that we were bought with a price. And the price that He paid for you, dear friend, you were bought with a price. And that price was a great price. I thought about, as I read there in Hebrews, it said that He was strong, crying in tears. In other words, He had to learn obedience through the school of suffering. You can't learn suffering and obedience out of a textbook. How are you going to help those as a high priest walk across the glowing coals unless you've walked in the fire yourself? And you might think, why is all this coming upon me? I'll say to you tonight, it just might be so you can help a brother or a sister down the road in their struggles. You can say, now brother, I've stood where you stand and I've been where you are and I know it looks dark now. I want you to know something tonight. I resolved in myself that I'm going to serve Him when it hurts. I'm going to serve Him when it's hard. I'm going to serve Him when it's dark. I'm going to serve Him when I don't have no, no hope to serve Him. I'm still going to cling to my God and cling to my Christ and cling to the One who died for me. But the Bible says that with strong crying and tears, He lifted up His voice. Now most of the time the world sees crying as a weak thing. 
They see it as a moment of weakness. But the Bible said he had strong cries. I want you to get that tonight and really get a hold of that. He had strong crying and tears with prayers and supplications under the one that was able to save him from death. That's quite a remarkable statement. And seeing that, don't misunderstand what I'm fixing to tell you. And I'll explain it. But here you have the Savior begging God to be saved. Not like we to get saved. He didn't need salvation, but he needed to trust God. You see, everybody that's died in the Lord since him, they've had comfort in their death. Even Job in the Old Testament said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. In other words, David said it this way, that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Uh, But you see, uh, when Jesus Christ died the death of all deaths, there was no comfort there for him. He tread the wine press alone. And I've thought about that different times. And I thought no wonder he began to cry out with strong cries. You ever tried to pray? And at first it's just a little weak prayer and not much more than anything coming out of your mouth. But the longer it goes on, the intensity begins to build. The Bible says in the, in the Gospels that he sweat as it were great drops of blood. You see the shadow of that cross. It started to get to him. It started to worry him. Not, not, not his eternity. And not like we have to worry with ours. But, but, but just the fact what he was about to suffer. That shadow of the cross. And when he said we must go to Jerusalem. I've thought about that different times. In other words, he said we have to. We have to. Because... To fulfill all righteousness, he said the Son of Man must be crucified into the hand of sinners. And the Bible says, matter of fact, it doesn't say in the Gospels about him crying. It says he prayed. It said he prayed. Oh, take note how many times the Son of God got along with the Father. At any time he could have called on his Godhead. At any time he could have called upon that divine portion of himself to sustain him, but he never did. Do you realize that? He never once depended on the fact, and the Bible says he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he didn't have to reach out to the Father and grab something from Him and pull to Himself. He didn't have to steal that. He was already divine. But what He did, He disrobed Himself of that divinity. And in the flesh he came. The Bible said he took not upon himself the, the nature of angels, but he took upon him the seed of Abraham. In order to be a faithful high priest, he had to be one of us. Really and truly one of us. He really and truly had to be a man. And I've thought about different times. Even after he rose from the dead, one would think that he would just strip off this robe of flesh and put back on the glory that he had with the Father in eternity past. But he did no such thing. He kept these filthy rags of his manhood on. You realize that? At any time, he could have changed back into that spirit being that he had always been. But he chose to keep the right. Why? Because he loves man so much. 
He kept the form of a man. It's the only way he's still able to be a suitable high priest. It has to be a man. The high priest has to be flesh. They have to plead with God. Uh, They have to go to the throne room. Back then, they had to go back into that holiest of all places. They had to go beyond the veil. And they stood in there in their robe of flesh. And those men, you talk about holiness. You talk about a spot on this earth that was so holy. If a man went in there, not ordained of God, in the wrong manner and at the wrong season, he wouldn't step foot in there, but he would be killed on the spot. There was a place like that on this earth that was pure holiness. It contained within it the Ark of the Covenant of God. That when the high priest would go in there to make an atonement, the Bible says the glory of God would come down and the glory of God would sit on the mercy seat. And that high priest would begin to commune with the one that sat on that mercy seat. I want you to understand tonight, Jesus Christ is that high priest. He's also that mercy seat. He's also that offering. It was His blood that He sanctified at the tabernacle in heaven with. It was His blood. And I thought about that cup. He said, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. The Bible doesn't give any indication there that He was crying. But the Scripture in Hebrews, the Holy Ghost brings out something there that was hidden from the apostles. It's that He cried. It's that He cried unto Him that was able to save Him from death. And the Bible says He was heard and that He feared. He had to fear God. He had to fear the wrath. He had to fear the King. And not for His eternal security. But He had to trust God the same way that we have to trust God. And that even though we're going to die, He is able to deliver you out of death and hell. And be raised to a newness of life. I believe that's what He meant. I believe it could also mean if there was any other way that God could be glorified and man could be saved. If He didn't have to die... I believe there was a natural... He was a man. Don't lose sight of that tonight. He was a man. His prayers was every much as real as your prayers. He felt every much as much as you feel tonight. He felt the death. He felt the separation. He felt the anxiety. He served God when it hurt. He served God when it troubled Him. He drank the cup when He didn't want to drink the cup. But He drank it because of love. And He felt it. And at the Garden of Gethsemane, as He began to sweat, and a great pool of blood began to form underneath His darling brow, the Bible says it was there that was strong crying and prayers and supplications. He cried out to the One that was able to save him from death. And I thought about that cup that he had. That's the cup that was destined for me. That cup that he endured in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the Via Dolorosa, in the Judgment Hall of Pilate, standing before Herod with his back laid open as he was hanging there. 
as he was nailed around the full man, as he was tied to a whipping post, as they stripped him naked, and his shame and humiliation, he drank that cup as they laid his back open until it was hanging in long ribbons down his flesh. He said, Father, I'll drink it to the end. I want you to understand that cup was my cup. That cup has hell in it. That cup is the cup that I deserve. That cup tonight is the cup that you will drink if you die lost without God. Fire and brimstone from the sky. Fire and brimstone and vapors of smoke. And the Bible says the ascent of their torment will ascend up forever and ever and ever. And they have no rest day or night by reason of their torments. The Bible says you're tormented by the flames as they lick up around you and still you fall and fall and fall headlong you go down into hell. That's the cup. That's the cup that awaits the Christ-rejecting life. That's the cup. But I thought about how there was one night when I was a boy. You know what he did? He looked at my cup and he looked at the hell that was inside of it and he looked at his cup with the glory that was inside of it. Brother, you know what he did? He said, do you want to trade? Do you want to trade? Usually the one with the, with the, with the better cup wouldn't dare part with it for one that's worse. But he looked at me one night as just like we did as little boys. And he said, I'll take yours and you can take mine. And one day I'm going to glory. Because I took his cup. That's what the psalmist said. He said, I'll take the cup of thy salvation. And buddy, I've drank out of it. I've drank it. But you know what? As much as I've drank, I've not come to the end of that cup yet. There's still more to drink. It's a good thing. There's more to drink. A lot of people get saved and they think they've got fire insurance and that's good enough for them. That might be good enough for you, brother. I want you to know there's a better life. There's a more exalted life. If all you've had to sip out of that cup of blessed glory, then, then don't, don't let any man deceive you. If you drink out of that cup, you are one of His. But I'm here to tell you tonight, there's more in that cup rather than salvation. There's a great deal more. A great deal more. There's joy. There's blessedness. There's assurance. There's a... There's God. There's the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. There's the Lamb that's fairer than day. That by faith I can see it afar. There's joy in that cup of the Lord. In that other cup, there's nothing there but death. There's death in that cup. Oh, tonight. Oh, tonight, don't drink of that cup. You've got somebody that was willing to trade you cup for cup. Somebody that was willing to part with their cup. So he had to be made like me before I could ever be made like him. He had to take upon my flesh. He took upon my humility. He took upon my shame. He took upon my nakedness. He took upon my sin, my grief. And when the cup got too heavy, when it got too full, he bowed down and he cried out to him that was able to help him. And he said, Father, let me not drink of this cup. If there's any other way, 
But he said, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's what I want to do tonight. It's just His will. But sinner friend, I wouldn't be doing this will if I didn't warn you to flee from the wrath that is to come. We live in a society. Brother Ethan preached about it the other night that God is love. Yes, sir. Yes, He is. He's pure love. He talked about His holiness. I firmly believe in my heart tonight as bad as hell is, as bad as those people are trying to climb that pit that has no bottom, still they fall tonight. They've been falling for thousands of years and they've not reached the bottom yet. There will be a time. There will be a time when the Bible declares that they'll stop falling and they'll begin to rise. And higher and higher and higher they'll go. And they might think for a brief moment of respite within themselves, thank you Lord for taking me out of this awful place, but then they see where they're going. They rise. The Bible says, hell will deliver us them that are in it. And they'll stand before a great white throne. And my friend there, as bad as that pit is, as horrible as that cup is, you stand in the presence of one so holy, I believe you'd beg for hell in a heartbeat. Rather to stand in the holiness of God, you couldn't stand it. You couldn't stand it. I believe people would beg for hell in a heartbeat to get out of the holiness and the presence of one. We've never we've been around holy men and women. I've never been in the presence of pure holiness. I've never been in the presence of one so holy and so mighty. Hell burns tonight. Not because God's a mean God. It burns because He's a holy God tonight. And the Bible says, as Brother Ethan preached the other night about Lucifer, the Bible says hell was prepared for him and for those angels, those legions, the Bible said they are reserved. They have chains of darkness reserved for them. Don't you know he's an enemy tonight? He's a horrible enemy. He'll take everything good in your life. He'll take everything. He'll put a cup in front of you so bitter and so nasty and so vile and he'll cause you to drink of it. If you're not careful, you'll begin to drink of that cup. There are two cups before you tonight. Choose God's cup. Satan's cup is horrible. It's foul. Oh, it looks good. It looks good to the eyes. The Bible says like, like it was when John had to eat the little book. He said, in my belly, it was, or in my mouth, it was as sweet as honey. But it sired in my belly. It made my belly bitter. That's what sin will do to you tonight. There's a cup of sin placed before each and every one of us. There's a cup of sin there. And it might look good. It might smell good. It might taste good. It might go down. You might think that's the best thing I ever had in my life. But sooner or later, it will begin to turn bitter on you. It will be a bitterness there. There will be a horrible stench there. And there you say, why in the world did I drink of something so vile? I want you to know tonight you don't have to take that cup. There's the cup been placed before us tonight by the great high priest who so willingly disrobed himself of all of his glory and wrapped himself up in humanity. Well, if we could ever get a hold of that one time, as he went down, as I said, to Via Dolorosa, as they nailed him to the tree, 
And he began to cry out, God forgive him. They were nailing him under a tree. And he didn't want them to drink of that cup. He said even among those who nailed him there, Father forgive them. Let them see this other cup. And there was a Roman soldier. They pierced his side. And he saw evidence of the saints of God. He saw evidence of the earthquake, of the temple, of the, of the veil being torn in two. And he said, truly, this was the Son of God. I'm telling you tonight, there will be a day you're going to say, truly, He is the Son of God. He's the eternal Son of the eternal Father. He was the Son of God in ways that we're not sons of God. He's the eternal Son of God, begotten in glory. When He came down to this earth, He came down to this earth as a man. It's hard to imagine the Lord of creation obeyed about that long. It's hard to imagine the Lord of creation leaning on His mother to stay alive with her milk. It's hard to imagine that. It's hard to imagine the One who created it the one who created the womb in Mary was now being born into this world. But that was the cup he chose. And that was the cup. That was the cup he drank it. And my friend, he drank it all. He didn't leave one drag in it. He drank it to the bitter end. And then as I preached Sunday, when he had finished his cup, you know what he did? He said, It's finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. And he placed before us a cup that day that will never grow old. Yeah. It'll never grow stale. The contents of it will never sour. It'll never weaken. The blood, my friend, if the blood's not enough to save you tonight, then we're all down for hell. But there's power in it. There's power to redeem. There's power in that cup. That's truly the cup. That cup, that's what He told them. In a few weeks, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And you know what He said? He said, take this cup. It is the New Testament in my blood. It's the New Covenant. If the Old Covenant had been faultless, there would have not been need to seek another. But the Old Covenant had faults. The Old Covenant was a covenant of works. This cup is a cup of grace. It's a cup of grace. And he said, it's in my own blood. He said, this testament, that's what the word covenant means. It's a cutting away. It's a cutting away of the old. And it's a bringing in of something that's new. You realize the words that we take for granted so often? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I might have said this a few weeks ago. But you know what He said at the Nicodemus? That was all fresh. It was on. Never a man spoke like that. Nobody. Nobody had ever spoke like him. He changed everything. And he left this cup. My friend, you've got two cups before you tonight. And you're going to drink one or the other. You're going to take the cup of salvation and the cup of grace. Or you're going to take the cup of hellfire and damnation. I understand that Liberal church tonight, they want to take they want to take the torment out of hell. They'll say it's just separation. That'd be hell in itself to me. It really would. 
But I want you to know that Jesus Christ spoke about it in terms that gave it a distinction. He said it's hellfire. That's what He said in Matthew chapter number 5. It's hellfire. He added that word fire on the end of it. To let you know it was hellfire and damnation. The Bible said in Psalms that I read, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? I really meant to get into more of that. You see, there are foundations that mankind lays. And Matthew 7, I'm not going to get into it, but it says that if you're a foolish man, you'll build your foundation on the sand. And when the rains descend and the floods beat down and the wind blows upon that house, it says the great will be the fall of it. Shall we preach this morning on Adam and Eve? When they fell, great was their fall. The king in the Old Testament in Daniel's time saw handwriting on a wall. Oh, he was a king. He was way up. He was ruler of all. But my friends, he fell that night and great was his fall. There are those out in the world today that are living the high life. But one day, great will be their fall. If you're here tonight and you're lost, you're going to drink out of one of those cups. If you choose the wrong cup, great will be your fall. But if you choose that right one, he said, He that heareth the words of God and doeth him, I will tell you who he is like. He is like a wise man that built his foundation upon a rock that when the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, it could not be shaken because it was founded upon a rock. Which one are you on tonight? You're on one or the other. You're on the rock or you're on the sand. You're either going to stand or great's going to be your fall. But you are going to stand before God one day. Amen. You're going to stand before Him. You're going to give an account. You're going to, you know, maybe Ethan said this the other night. You know, the Bible says, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says that people there will say, Lord, Lord, have we not done marvelous works? Have we not prophesied in Thy name? I don't think I'm going to stand before God and say, God, have I not preached Your Word? Have I not done all of this? He said He didn't feel like a failure last night, that Paul was no failure. And most times in my life, I feel like a failure. I feel like I failed God on every hand. Why not dare I stand before Him I with my works and boast of myself? I'll plainly stand before Him and say, Oh God, it was Your blood that I trusted in. Not my preaching, not my works, and not even my repentance, but it was Your blood that I put my faith in one night. It was Your blood. Oh, sinner friend, tonight, could you just lay flat upon His blood tonight? Amen. Nothing else. Nothing else. Lord, who else do we should go? There is nowhere else to go. There is salvation in none other. Because there was none other name among men, given among men under heaven, whereby we must be saved. In the name of Jesus. You turn Him away tonight, you're going to drink that bitter cup. You're going to drink hellfire. The flames are going to devour you. The flames are going to lick you from the inside out. The horrible. You think the wailing and weeping you've heard have the altar this week. It's, it's heart-wrenching. It really is. It's gut-wrenching. Oh, my friend, the wails and the screams and the cries in hell tonight, it would curdle your toes. It would curdle your blood. If you could hear how they cry 
and screamed and begged. But they made their bed and they drank of that cup. And they're going to continue to drink it forever. They're never going to have an end of that cup. But they're going to drink it forever and ever. Oh, friend, tonight, I want to present to you another cup. Do you just want to trade? That's what He's offering you tonight. Do you just want to trade? He took all the hell and you'll take all the glory. He took all the death and you'll take all the resurrection. He took all the shame and we're going to share in His glory because we drank out of His cup. I don't know if this has made any sense tonight, but that's what was on my heart. And I feel like I'd have failed God if I didn't at least try to get you a song together. And I'll just leave you with that thought. Would you like to trade? That's what He's offering. Mine for yours. Yours for mine. Thank God for His abundant mercy and His free gift of salvation.